Dave Williams presents Conversations.Buzz. DC, how you doing, man? Uh, fully caffeinated and awake, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a chilly, rainy morning here, and it's just a, a good morning for doing nothing except having a nice chat with an old friend. Well, you and I are only about, uh, what, about two hours oh. apart, hour yeah. and a half apart or yeah. something like that. So, yeah, it's a chilly, rainy morning here, too, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this in December. It's December 15th. 2023 for anybody who cares um so i was trying to think of uh of exactly when you and i first met and i don't remember the exact year i know it was in the mid 80s right mid 1985 85 it was that early yeah. okay um you and bob had been over at kpk maybe a year or two at that point well 85 is when we started january so, of 85 okay and and i got there in uh july of 85 and i don't want to go over a lot of you know old <laughs> ground that only you and i will understand what we're talking about but and i am curious. you and i will care <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but i i can't remember who hired you as news director at kfp uh paul aaron paul aaron did paul aaron because did, at yeah. the time we didn't have a program director is that right yeah. Yeah, Norm was doing uh, doing the commute from San Francisco. Oh, that's right. Okay, Norm Woodruff, you're talking. Norm about. Woodruff. Norm yeah. Woodruff. Um, and uh, I, I somehow I connected with Paul through uh, mutual acquaintances at NBC Radio. Mm-hmm. I was with a uh, an NBC Radio affiliate for a long time in in Kentucky, where I grew up, and. Uh, was it an RTNDA, Radio Television News Directors Association Convention? Those initials don't, aren't the same anymore. But anyhow, um, came in contact with someone there. Paul knew them. They mentioned me to him. One thing led to another. Um, flew out to, uh, to Sacramento with, with Kathy, uh, my late wife, and, and we, uh, were met with by, by Paul and, uh, um, spent a couple of days, uh, yeah. just, you know, learning. What little you could in two days of a, of a new community. Yeah. The, and at the time you were, you were working in Kentucky, right? Actually, I was working in Virginia. I, I oh. uh, had, had moved from, uh, from Louisville where I, you know, home area, uh, after many years on the air there and doing, doing radio work and moved to Richmond, Virginia to do a, um, an AM, FM and statewide news network, which was, which was kind of fun. Um, where I, where I learned the hard way to do your homework on the pronunciation of towns, <laughs> because I I uh, you had to I, learn that, but before you got to Texas, yeah. In fact, I, I I but but by the time I got to Texas, I wasn't on the air, so right. you know that that wasn't quite as critical for me, more for you. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I I was on the air one day and pronounced a certain town. The wrong way, and the phone rang and says, "You're new, ain't you, boy?" Uh, yes, yes, I, yes, I am. And uh, so, <laughs> I, I learned to do. Uh, I got a, I got a similar story. I got two similar stories. As a matter of fact, when I was working in Memphis, which uh, a lot of the people there uh, pronounce Memphis, M E F F I S. Yeah, I loved it there, and I love the people, and I, I love regional accents. I really, really do. I don't try to assume them. I don't pretend to to do them. That would be um, 
uh, you know, that would be dishonest. It would be disingenuous, as they say. But at any rate, so I'm in Memphis. And Memphis is, a lot of people don't realize, it's right on the border of Arkansas and Mississippi. Mississippi is on the south end of the town. And just across the state line, there is a town called L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E, which I, of course, pronounced Lafayette. Yeah, yeah. Until, you know, it's like I couldn't get a phone call. I couldn't beg a phone call on the air. But when I, you say something like that, they just blew up. Mm-hmm. It's Lafayette. And that's when I started paying attention to how people pronounce things there. I've also heard that. Pronounced La- La- uh, no, it was, I was trying to think of Lafayette or, uh, yeah, never mind. Anyway. That's all right. These pronunciation things are fascinating to those of us who talk for a living because people will always, people will always call you on them. Yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I moved to Richmond, Virginia, I discovered that there is actually a Richmond accent. At least there was back then. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, you didn't live in a house, you lived in a house. You didn't go about somewhere, you went about. Well, that sounds Canadian. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I, I refer to it as, as Canadian. They said it, it is a distinct accent, at least it may have been muddled or, you know, watered down in, in the ensuing years, but it was definitely a, so one day my, my kids are going, we're going to go out and play with, with their, uh, out and about to our, our friend's house. <laughs> so they, they picked it up. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's make a quick sprint through uh, the rest of your resume. Um, oh. Sacramento in 1985, 86, 85. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I don't, I don't remember when you left, why you left or where you went. How's that for keeping track of people? That's okay. Uh, what's so funny is I remember specifically my last day on the, uh, working at KFBK because it was also Rush Limbaugh's last day. Oh, well, I can tell you the exact date in that case. It was in July. It was, it was, no, it was, uh, June. It was June 5th, 1988. Okay. Right around there at any rate, because I know that because I got married the day before and you were both there. You were both at the wedding. Yep. We were there. And, uh, next day you were both gone. Well, see, I don't remember it quite like that because it was July. I don't know. Because, um, shortly after your wedding, uh, I do recall that uh, I got called to go meet Bruce Marr over right. at the Red Roof Inn. No, uh-huh. not Red Roof Inn. No, not, what was the name of that hotel? Oh, who cares? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he said, I want you to meet somebody. And so I go in there, and, and there's this white-haired fellow named Ed McLaughlin, uh, uh-huh. who, who founded uh, who at EFM Media, and he, he, he hired Rush right. to leave KFBK. Right. Uh, they worked a deal for him to do two hours for free locally on WABC right. and then a two-hour network show. And the reason I remember being in July, because, um, again, our flights left Sacramento within an hour of one another. We get to mm-hmm. Boston, and it's July 4th weekend. And the car I was given by the radio station, WBZ to use, broke down on the mass turnpike. And I had a dickens of a time finding someone to come tow it. Because it was July Fourth weekend. That's how well, I remember. Maybe you you may, may well be right. You know, memory is a is a strange and uh, un uh, unpredictable thing. You can't you can't lay put any store in uh, in the way you remember it, in the way I remember this yeah, particular yeah. issue. In any case, here's two old guys trying to 
pick through the dark closets of their brains. <laughs> we move on. So you went then from there to to where? You went from Sacramento to where? To Boston, to WBZ. Right. Uh, you, you remember we had been, uh, that McClatchy had gotten out of the radio business. We were sold to Group W. Uh, I was involved in a few Group W Westinghouse uh, program director meetings. There's a, you remember the story we'll get to at some point about how how I became program director at KPK, thanks to you. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we uh, we we uh, we had meetings, and and I was asked. Uh, uh, Rick Atchison, who was our general manager, was at a meeting of GMs for Group W, and he calls me. He says, "Would you have any interest in going to WBZ Boston?" I went, "Yeah, okay." So I so I did, and that's how that happened. But do you remember how I became program director? No, and I still don't. You've told me the story before. I've okay, repeated you, it, you and I the, do not remember it. Okay, you were the program director to replace Norm Woodring. Right. Um, I, I kept that job for a year, and I got sick of it because, first of all, I was just it, you know I was too tired after I got off the air. I was wiped out. But also, and I was talking with Bob Nathan just last week. And he's, I've got him up on one of these podcasts now. And he and I discussed that too. And I said, the, th- the terrible thing about being the program director there was we were so big in the morning. We were doing such a great job in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, attracting and holding audience. Right. I don't know if you remember at the time we had like, we had 20 shares mm-hmm. and we had, uh, you know, time spent listening like 90 minutes, unheard of stuff. So at any rate, I'm doing the morning show as the program director. And there's a there's a built-in conflict in that because as in the morning show you you tend to push the envelope a little bit, right? You try to you're like a kid who's trying to see what you can get away with, find the yeah. boundary. You know, you got a great idea, you know the boss isn't going to like it, do it now and then apologize later. Well, I was in both seats. Yeah, you know? that's right. It was a it was a difficult situation. So anyway. Uh, I, t- I t- took Bruce Marr. Bruce Marr is the one that uh, suggested that I stop doing it. So I did. But what happened so next? You, is, okay. I don't remember. I'll tell you what happened next. Because you, you would be gone by mid-morning and there'd be something that needed to be done. And you'd give me a call as a news director and say, could you take care of this? That? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, fine. I was working from home with the uh, email. Right. <laughs> right. So one morning after the morning show, you show up in my in my door there in that corner and said, we need to go talk to Rick. Okay, what's this about? Said, Come on. So we trooped down the hall to Rick Edgerson's office, and we sit down, and Rick says, what's going on? Then you said, I don't want to be program director anymore. Make him the program director. And you pointed at me. And Edgerson goes, what? And you said, <laughs> you know, this, this is not what I'm enjoying doing. Words that affect, I don't remember the exact words. But anyway, the upshot was, we came out of that meeting that, I was in the program director. That's how I became PD. I apologize. I don't know why I don't remember that. I just, you know. It was a career-changing move moment for me because yeah. it moved me, you know, out of the world of only focusing on what was in the, the newscast content to the bigger picture. And uh, and, and it it resulted in uh, the start of a... An amazing career. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was an amazing career. You went to, you went on to Boston, WBC. On to Boston, which was not an amazing career move. <laughs> I, I was I was hired there, uh, and and the goal was 
BZ was a full service station. In other words, it played music in the morning throughout the day. Uh, at night, it did talk. Uh-huh. And there was great conversation going on about what should BZ do. In fact, that was the way, reason I wound up there. I was at a group program directors meeting. And one of the topics of, of discussion was the future of WBZ and KDKA in Pittsburgh, both very similar full service uh, information stations with music. And the consensus was it needs to become a talk station. So that's how I got moved there to that. And I'd been there about two weeks and there was a focus group going on research with uh, WBZ fans. And, uh, and someone asked this one woman in the corner, well, sh- should be WBZ play music? And she says, well, yes, I expect them to. They always have. They always should. And the president of group W radio was in the room and he looked at me and he says, so much for that. <laughs> and that killed at that point, converting WBZ into into a news and information driven station on the basis of what coming of one person in a focus group, which is so reliable, of course. Um, it just sounds like it was a justification for him to make the movie he wanted to do anyway. Ah, uh, so uh, I I uh, I did not last long at WBZ. I was there for just under two years, a little bit about almost a year and a half, and. Uh, we parted company. That was my, that was my firing story in radio. Hey, listen to you. Two years. I was like, I, I have two stints of nine months and <laughs> and three months in Chicago. Okay. Well, I re- yes, I remember that. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, that was a long. So where'd you so go? Anyway, that moved on, and I I wound up going from there to uh, WWRC in Washington for right. worked for three years, uh, and that was the first time I hired a guy named Mark Davis. Yeah. He was my mid-morning guy there. And I I, I then, so the, the story about getting WBAP is, is, is uh, well, to me, interesting. I, I get a call one day. Once again, someone made a mention to me, to, to John Hare, who was the general manager at the time, Ed McLaughlin, who was, you know, I'd gotten to know during the, the Rush Limbaugh transition. Those and, who don't know, WBAP is here in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's Fort Worth, Dallas. Don't forget that. That's a Fort right. Worth license station, and folks in Fort Worth are very sensitive about that. I remember you telling me that yeah. many yeah. times, actually. Make sure you <laughs> so, work in Fort Worth. Always, you know, do a Fort Worth temperature, too. So go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, um, Ed recommended that he talk to me because they were going to add Rush to WBAP. BAP was a full-service music station country, and so I, I get this call from, from John and I didn't quite get his name properly. I, I'd never heard of WBAP, and I thought he said WBAP in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So, mm. well, so I like well, sounds what, a lot like a, Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so I said, well, "What's the market like in Harrisburg?" Josh says, "How should I know? This is Dallas, Fort Worth." <laughs> oh, can, can we start this conversation over? <laughs> I said, and, "And how serious are you about going to talk?" Because I've been at a station once before. That was music during the day and was talking about moving to talk. And that's that's that was the start of it for us. At that time, BAP was was country all day. Uh, sports talk at night with Randy Galloway. Mm-hmm. So Rush was the first thing that we added on BAP and and uh, did a very slow one year transition in, into news talk. And uh, and and at that point, then uh, uh, one of the moves we made was to hire Mark Davis out of Washington to come down. And that was the second point. Got time for one more. To me, it, it just speaks to 
how listeners become accustomed to something. So Hal J, the morning guy on WBAP, yeah, uh, played maybe four songs an hour, right? Yeah, uh, and so I said, okay, we're going to start weaning them out. He was scared to death. I said, okay, this month we're going to drop the song in the fourth quarter hour. <laughs> Next month we'll drop the song. So over four months we weaned the country music off. Of the <laughs> And uh, about a month later, I, I get a call from a lady wanting Hal to play a tune for her sister's birthday the next morning by the Dixie Chicks. And, and I, I said, well, Hal doesn't play music. She says, well, he plays country music. He hadn't played a song in, in over a month. And she says, well, I thought he was taking an awful long time between the records. <laughs> so it was, uh, and and to John Harris' credit, it was his plan that, you know, we're going to do this slowly and gradually and, and phase it out, not just overnight change it and you know the the audience stayed with us my favorite my favorite uh hal jay story and what a what a delightful human being he is yeah. he is you know you say salt of the earth you're talking about hal jay and yeah, hal hal is still doing mornings at wbap mm-hmm. and, but one day i was in the newsroom there when i was working at klif and i was just shooting the bull and i was mentioning something about uh I'd read something about the, um, uh, the Texas rattlesnake roundup <laughs> championship in someplace out in far West Texas, which, you know, is like no man's land, but there's a little town out there that has a rattlesnake festival every single year. And they have the rattlesnake queen and they water, a- Texas, pardon me, Sweetwater, Texas. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. See, you know what I'm talking about. And, and they have a competition and people go out into the, Go out into the sage and and collect rattlesnakes by the hundreds of them. Oh yeah, and bring them in. So uh, anyway, I was talking about how uh, you know that part of Texas is a is vast wasteland, depending on you know your feeling about it. And uh, Hal said, and you and you have to you have to understand you have to hear Hal in his voice with his cadence, mm-hmm. with his with his drawl, his uh, his Texas accent. He says, yeah, so I'm not trying to do that, but he says, yeah. And that's one of them places where you can, you can walk out on the porch and watch your dog run away for a week. (laughs) One of the funniest things I ever heard, but again, it was his delivery. And that was, and that, and that's exactly what he, uh, what he does on the air every day. Um, I've tried to talk him into doing this and he's, and you know how. Yeah, he didn't want to tell anybody no, so he al- he always says yes, but we've never done it. Uh huh. So maybe uh, maybe I'll try to point him to this conversation. And I've also did, got, did you ever? Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna. I'm just gonna say I've also got Mark Davis lined up. We're just kind of backed up, so he's gonna talk with us. Anyway, what did, did you ever hear the story of uh, Hal's heart attack? Well, I know about Hal's heart attack. I was there at the time. No. But- um, no, this this predates you and me being oh. at, being at, at at the stations. Oh. Um, he loves Possum Kingdom Lake, right? And he was out there many years ago. In case somebody thinks they misheard you, it is Possum, Possum Kingdom, Kingdom Lake Lake, right? And so he's out there, and uh, with one of his sons, they're young guys, and he has a heart attack, and you have to know what. Where where his house was located at Possum Kingdom Lake is very remote. Mm-hmm. So 
one of the boys may be of driving age at that point. I don't, I don't know. Uh, they, they get it. They called the ambulance and they said, we'll meet you at the main road. So they drove Hal out to the main highway and met the, uh, the ambulance and they're putting him on the stretcher and they're loading him in. And the guy says, uh, uh, are you a smoker? I used to, I quit. Got ambulance driver says, when did you quit? About 20 minutes ago. <laughs> but that's it. That's Al. That's Al. All right. Delightful guy. And his his comeback from his most recent uh, heart issues of having the heart transplant is just uh, yeah. a modern miracle. Well, it really is. And he is such a blessing. Uh, not not only not only for North Texas, but uh, for everybody who meets him. He's just, just an Owen. Just to know people. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on a little bit because you worked, um, you worked at WBAP and you worked with, a, was it two different corporations or was it one corporation with different leadership? There were a total of three different corporations. When oh, okay. I, when I got there, it was, uh, it was ABC. Well, actually, technically four. Uh, when I got there, it was ABC. Right. In their short time, and Disney announced that they were buying. The right, 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 right. Yeah. It became ABC Disney. Uh, Disney decides to get out of radio, and the, so they sell us to Citadel. Yeah. Um, Citadel has all kinds of issues, and they sell us to Cumulus. Cumulus tried to buy the station division uh, from Disney and didn't happen. So, So I guess really technically four. All right, so we're uh, we're talking about the world of corporate radio now, I and mean, this is uh, this is one one direction I wanted to take you because of your your longtime experience. You you worked in the days when radio stations were largely uh, owned and operated by a single entity, hmm. either a person or a small group of people, and they were they tended to be local. Even KFBK in Sacramento at the time was owned right. by. McClatchy Broadcasting, but McClatchy at the time, unlike now, it's a huge corporation and it's on the stock market, but at the time, it was pretty much strictly Sacramento and the Sacramento Bee. And Fresno. Yeah, and Fresno. Fresno, KMJ, Fresno. Right, right. And the Fresno Bee, anyway. So there's been a huge change in the way radio operates because now, and then without going into the details of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, you know, when the FCC changed uh, the rules about how many stations a company could own, uh, it went from, you know, one or two stations in a market to whatever. Whatever. I remember when I was working for RKO, I was program director of K-Earth in Los Angeles. There were 13 stations in the RKO chain. It was the biggest radio corporation in the world. With 13 stations. Yeah, remember I, back in those days, you could have seven AM, seven FMs, and seven television stations. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's it. Yeah, those are the numbers, right? And so now corporations own hundreds of stations. They overpaid for them. They're still trying to service the debt. They're, they're cutting back this on staffing and all resources to the point where uh, the bone isn't even bloody anymore. Mm-hmm. And the the stations can't function. They can't function as they need to to be, uh, you know, an important part of a community. 
And I know that you saw all of that happening as it was happening, and you were in the middle of it all. And without talking about it at the time, I don't think you and I even made any allusion to it when you were sitting in the program director's office and I would come in. Now you're my boss and, uh, <laughs> and, and talk about it. But, uh, I mean, it just had to be a tremendous headache for a person who came through the business <clears throat> being, uh, you know, the creative programmer. One of the hardest things to watch was the whittling away of resources. Yeah. And that, and resources is an, is an inhuman way of saying people. Um, and, 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 you know, so I go back to BAP in the very beginning and our competition was KLIF. We were going to take them out of the talk business and, 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 you know, one thing leads to another and people come and people go and then we wind up being under the same umbrella. Right. But, as consolidation has gone, and I'm not speaking specifically about BAP and KLIF at, at this point in, in the industry, right. as, as consolidation moved forward and, you know, and group ownerships got bigger, there was more decentralization of, 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 uh, of programming decisions, um, more, uh, uh, well, we can share these resources with, you know, this station and they'll do this for both. And, and, you know, and again, I'm not speaking only about BAP and KLIF, but, but throughout the industry, uh, more responsibilities layered on top of fewer people. That, that's, that's the, one of the biggest upshots that, I, that I've seen. And, and those people largely are, have, uh, in major markets, have less experience. They're right. getting paid a lot less than yes. the people they replaced. And overall, only because of a lack of experience. And I've got to say, a lack of experienced leadership, people who really knew radio mm-hmm. and how to program it, uh, you know, the the quality of the product has declined. Am I wrong? No, not wrong at all. Yeah. Not wrong at all. Um, you know, and and there are there are still people working at these radio stations who are very talented and sure. and, 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 and uh, care deeply about delivering the best possible product. And, and you and I worked around them for the last several years of, of our of our careers. Um, but the, the reality is, is that there are fewer and fewer ways to, uh, to, to cover certain stories and certain, uh, you know, communities is community disasters. Don't say that fast. Um, that, that, that come up and, and it, it's, it's more and more taxing and, and the, the quality of the coverage has suffered as a result. Right. So is there any hope for it or you don't know? I mean, you've been retired oh, I, for quite a while now, what, 10 years? Pardon? What was that? You've been retired for how long? Seven years as okay. of uh, two as of two weeks ago. Not that uh, I've counted. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dave, I, I, I hear from, you know, and you hear from them as well, people who are saying radio's days are done. There are others who are saying there's always going to be a viable room for radio. I think somewhere in the middle is is the reality. Right. I, I just I don't see it drying up. I don't see it coming to an end. Um actually I think more uh treacherous a more treacherous slope is for the future of, of over the air broadcast television because of the way streaming has come around. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Uh you know, you, not many cars you can stream audio in. <laughs> yeah, you, you can with your smartphone plugged in, but but radio's right there in the dashboard. 
Right. And and I do believe so far that, though the, the the car makers well, yeah. are trying to take it out. Yeah. They're trying uh, to take although, it out. Yeah, about saving AM. And that's where it started. Some wanted to get rid of AM and now there's a move to try to save that. But anyhow, I I for now anyway, radio is still in the car. Yeah. I, I think it is a um, it is a a morning commute medium as well as then a uh, a source of for some background music during the day although those streaming music services are out there but i i think there's there's a place for radio is it going to be anywhere close to what it was no but it's different you know what i'm seeing and i'm what i'm hearing from talking to people uh in this podcast and i talked recently with greg tantum mm-hmm. and uh i'm i'm uh, going to be talking with tom langmeyer next week uh-huh. and these these giants of the industry, these radio masters, as you are, they they have uh, retired from their big time career, you know, their big time uh, uh, corporate positions, and they've gone back to small towns, and now they're working with uh, small groups in local communities the way they did when they started their careers. Only now they've got the really big picture and the really big brains. And they're so excited about it, and I can't wait to talk with Tom about it because he's he's uh, involved in an organization that is trying to push this on America and say, look, it's time to get radio back to its roots, back to what it did so well. Sure. Uh, that is to be the voice of the community, to take in everything that's going on in the community, and to run it as if the people running it are there. In which case they are. So, you know, it, it, kind of ironic. ironically, it may be that the future of radio, as you and I know it, is the past. Well, I think you're onto something, you know, and and, and, and Tom as well, obviously. You know, I, I live uh, uh, about an hour south of Dallas, Fort Worth, out in the country. And uh, in, in, the, in the next little town over, there is, there's a local radio station still programmed locally. Yeah. Um, they, they do all the things that... that I used to laugh at and couldn't get away from, you know, the on-air swap shop shows and you know, <laughs> right, the, right. the school lunch menus, but they're at it and they're doing it. And, and well, it's totally, it's a totally new approach for so many people today yeah. who don't remember the past that we had. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tremendous. Tyler, I'm going to let you go this morning, but I'll tell you what, uh, I want to. I'm going to send you uh, send you links from time to time of the people that I think you'd be interested in hearing. Oh, I'd love to. I I I, I, I saw. I haven't had a chance to get to it. Uh, your conversation with Bob. Uh, Bob <laughs> I, I just. I can't wait to dig into that one. <laughs> he referred. He re, he re, at the time you were there with. Him, he referred to um, the general manager at the time, and I wouldn't let him say the name. I said, you know, so we're going to kick the guy around. Let's at least not drag his name into it. He re- he referred to him as, and it cracked me up because some things never change, and dear old Bob is one of them. He referred to him as, quote, demonstrably the stupidest person that ever ran a radio station. <laughs> and it's not hard to figure out who he was talking about. <laughs> I, I got a clue. <laughs> Somebody that I, I like very much personally and always respected when we worked for him. But it was a difference in personality. And that was the, that was what made me and Bob work, to be honest about it. So uh, we're still I, yeah, friends. I, I, I love the fact that, time to that, time. that our promotions director at the time, Joyce Krieg, Joyce Blitzkrieg, right. uh, 
dubbed me with a handle that you guys then started using on the air about me. Tyler, I'm almost the boss. Oh, Christ. right, 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 right. I'm almost the boss. Yeah. 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 Anyway, this has been delightful. This is fun. Uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, stay in touch just to stay in touch. But You're a good uh, friend. I'm going to let you know when I get when I get Mark Davis on here. Been a pleasure and, uh, knowing you all these. All you know when, when we parted ways back in '88, I always thought we'd have a chance to work together again. I'm, I'm glad we did. Well, the only reason I'm in Dallas is because of you. Don't and blame it, me. <laughs> you saved my career. You did uh, literally uh, saved my career because I was out of work and out of luck. Carol Ann and I were sitting in a home that we could no longer afford in Los Angeles County. We, uh, I was out of work, had been right out of work for nine months. Uh, we couldn't pay the bills. We actually had a, a lawyer say, you got to stop making those house payments. I said, are you kidding? He says, no, because that's the only way you're going to be able to put the house in the bankruptcy filing. And so we did. We filed bankruptcy. We came out here without, you know, two nickels to rub together or whatever the saying is. And uh, because of uh, because of the 12 years that I've spent in Dallas, thanks to you and your invitation for me to come, well, uh, we managed did. to we managed to catch everything up. We bought a house. We're paying low mortgage and a super low interest rate, and our uh, credit score is very high. So, I mean, you really you really did cause that, and uh, uh, you you uh, you caused it because of your who you are and, and your ability, your well, talent. Thank you so much. Kiss, kiss. Take care, (laughs) sir. Take care, man. Bye.